I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Thank you for joining us on I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. We have Ellen and Deborah still with us, and we are going to continue our conversation during this segment on uh, domestic violence, mostly centering on why victims don't leave or why they stay. You, you hear that response from people who are in what we might consider normal or, or regular relationships. You know, well, how can they keep taking this abuse? Why don't they leave? And I'm sure there are a hundred different answers or one for each of those relationships or situations. So Ellen, maybe you can, can address this. Why do they stay? Um, well, why they stay, why they don't leave, why they go back, uh, all different reasons. But when we ask survivors or victims, you know, why don't you just leave? We're taking the, um, the blame and we're putting it on the victim. instead of on the abuser as if if they leave the abuse is going to stop it will stop for them but it will continue for someone else so we want to we want to stop saying why don't you just leave and we want to start asking why doesn't he stop abusing you you know right because the responsibility is on him not on the victim the most dangerous time in a relationship is when a victim tries to leave the relationship because again it's all about power and control and if the abuser thinks that they are losing control over their victim they're going to increase their abusive behavior they will increase the violence sometimes that's when the first physical abuse comes into play is when that person says I can't take this situation anymore. Mm-hmm. I would like to leave or I'm going to leave. I'm out of here. Well, you belong to me and I'm not just going to let you walk out that door. So I'm going to do whatever I can to ensure that you stay. A lot of women have been killed when they try to leave and people say, well, why didn't she just leave? Well, that's exactly what she did or that's what she was trying to do. When she was killed. And And so that final power and control is now you can't leave. And I think when people say, why don't you just leave? They're picturing, you know, this fairy tale ending of I'm just going to pack my bags. I'm going to tell him I'm leaving and why I'm leaving. And then I'm just going to go out the front door and he is going to be so devastated. His behavior is going to change and everything's going to work out. 
that doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. So what what hope do you offer to victims that leaving is still probably what needs to happen for them to be safe and hopeful and have a normal life? We offer them a safe place. Yes. We have a secure shelter that they can come to to be safe. Now, when they come to our shelter, one of the first things, first of all, when they make that call, we begin the safety planning process. You know, safety when leaving, safety within your home, safety during an explosive incident, safety when you're going to work, safety when you're with your children, safety, you know, safety, safety, safety. That's number one. And so a lot of times, no, most of the time it takes a plan Mm -hmm. for for them to to leave. Yeah, so when you ask that, it's, it's not the same for every victim. We have to come up with a different plan for every single victim and what their circumstances are, you know, all of that. So there's no easy way to say, oh, just do this one thing and then you can leave. So for some victims who are in relationships who are listening to this podcast right now, it's not just a wake up one morning, walk out the door and it's going to be fine. There is a there is conversation and there are plans in place before this actually happens. Yes. And that can all be started by calling our 800 number, yes. 800-828-2023, or talking with medical people, or how do people start to do this? One thing that's not talked about a lot is victims try to leave all the time. It isn't just a one-time thing. Our studies show it takes an average of eight times for someone to try to leave before they can leave and be gone. And so if I encounter someone who's in an abusive relationship and I give them our information, tell them about resources available to them, that may be time number one. That's one touch. Mm -hmm. That's one time they've reached out and tried to leave. There may be seven other um, things that may have to happen that may have to be in place before they can walk out the door. We don't know where we're meeting someone in their um, walk, in their process of their relationship. And so our job is to believe them, support them, and let them know about their options and that there is hope. We don't say it's going to be okay. Because we don't know. But there is hope, and you can begin to create a future, a better life without this abuse. You can't even make the first step if you don't have any hope of anything better. Right. Right. So as you begin to to create safety plans with with victims, how, how does this process work? What They make a call, and then what happens? We assess. You know, do you have children? Uh, does he work? Uh, do you have any time alone? Do you have access to transportation? You know, is there uh, is there a time when he gets angrier? Is this a constant thing? Is this, you know, what what do you see any patterns in his behavior? We have to ask all those questions. So as you begin to assess and and to have these conversations, um, maybe leaving right away isn't always the best solution are there other maybe staying or or 
what other possibilities exist. Correct. And not everyone wants to leave. They just want the abuse to stop. Right. Right. So they're calling, you know, to for us to help them examine what's going on in their life. You know, they're not calling because they want to get out. They just want this to stop. Um, and then you have to assess also what what are they going to face if they do leave? What are they going to face if they stay? And a lot of those things are the exact same. So if, you know, she stays, there might be more physical injury. He might be threatening her and her children if she has children. And then if she leaves, more physical injury, and he still might kill her or her children. They're both the same. Mm-hmm. So how? So what are some specifics that a safety plan might include? Having a phone, even if it doesn't have service on it, have a phone charge where you can call 911. A lot of people don't know that if you have a cell phone and you don't have service on it, you can still call 911. Now, when you call 911, you're going to have to be able to tell the operator who answers the phone where you are because they can't triangulate it through GPS if the phone doesn't have service. Mm -hmm. But that's one safety plan. Have a phone where you can call 911. Wow. Also, when the situation is escalating, can you lock yourself in a bathroom? Is there a room that you can go in where you can be safe for this time? We usually tell them, though, rooms that they do everybody tends to go to the bathroom they lock themselves in the bathroom well there's only one door yeah there's only one door and it's usually not the most secure door in the house and so if you lock yourself in a bathroom you're cornered right nine times out of ten and then there's a lot of hard surfaces that you can get hurt on the toilet is hard the bathtub is hard the faucet is hard we also tell them don't go in the kitchen you may think i'll go in the kitchen and i'll get something that i can um protect myself with Mm -hmm. well he can also get a weapon where he can hurt you with and so going in the kitchen may not be a good idea also we also talk about de-escalating techniques you know what talking softly even when he raises his voice or just small things like that and we have mentioned that it's about power and control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that de-escalating frequently successful or how do you how do you address that power and control issue with that so what I have had to tell victims and when I first started, it would literally get caught in my throat. I couldn't formulate the words to say, sometimes you have to give the abuser what they want in order to survive. And so sometimes de-escalating is giving in and doing what it is that they want you to do. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. That's hard to tell someone, endure abuse one more time so you can live another day. Let him hit you this time and or just fix it later. Or give him the power that he's asking for. That he's looking for, yeah. Yep. That's hard. That is hard. I would imagine that'd be very hard. There would have to be a lot of hope attached to the other end of that. I mean, you, I feel like you have to remember that at one point this was their person and still is. Mm-hmm. Again, they didn't come into this relationship thinking, oh, I'm going to be abused one day. So there was that relationship that bonding 
that that brought them together and then the abuse started and and they still love this person this is still the person that they remember from the beginning this is still the person that they love so when you're saying well oh he just he hits her he he's emotionally abusive well at one point he was also supporting caring and, caring. and loving mm-hmm. well, he wasn't but that was part of that power and control but he's still the her person he's so, the father yes of her children and i know personally um my husband and i have been together for a very long time and he's such a part of my life i mean we've been together more years than we haven't been mm-hmm. and so imagining life without him imagining being a single parent without my partner there that's hard to imagine even when you're in an abusive relationship a lot of women will say well he's a horrible husband but he's a wonderful father I take notion with that but in their eyes that's the way it is he loves his children and one thing I tell them I try not to Um, talk badly about the abuser Mm. when they're sitting there because again this is the person that this person loves but what I remind them is a good father wouldn't abuse their children's mother right right he's teaching your children what a relationship looks like is this the relationship model you want your children to then live out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also you Say you've been married, you know, 30, 40 years. Well, he has everything in his name, the house, the car. You haven't worked in 30 years because you weren't allowed to. Your kids are grown and now you want to leave. Well, you've been emotionally abused or psychological abuse and you can't even see who you are now that you want to leave. And you, where are you going to go? And we offer shelter and we can help you rebuild your life. But seeing the light at the end of that tunnel that super long tunnel sometimes feels impossible there's also a lot of why am i being punished and he's the one wrong why do i have to become homeless why do i have to leave everything and lose everything i'm the victim here he should be the one to leave he should be the one to leave Mm -hmm. he should be punished he but he's not so what now i have to go to a shelter i have you know it's kind of righteous indignation mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm the one in, that's being wronged but i have to lose everything and so you know what i'm going to stay because i'm not going to give up my way of life my lifestyle my family for him to go on and have a good life Mm -hmm. without me and then there's uh, explaining to your children who love their father why why are you leaving him Mm -hmm. nobody wants to have to explain that to their kids and then you have younger kids who do love their father and they might see that they know that something's wrong there's something in them that tells that it's wrong but he's still their father so then you have a mom and kids in a shelter and kids are angry because they just want dad and she can't say why they had to leave because then she and then you have ruining that relationship as well as the one that right she it feels like she's has. ruining mm-hmm. yes that relationship mm-hmm. or children who are also being taken away from everything and losing their normalcy and way Mm -hmm. of life 
And so I heard a child tell his mother, why now? Why are you choosing to leave now? Why are you making us homeless now? You've been putting up with it for all this time. Why are you changing things now? And then that mother feels guilty. She felt guilty that she was then hurting her children. And so she went back. Wow. Just had a, a, a child who wants to go wants wants to go back with dad because my real I you I don't have a relationship with you like I do with dad you know that feels like as a mom who left an abusive relationship to have your child go back with dad and to tell you that our relationship isn't like mine and dad's relationship on the flip side there are fathers who are being abused oh absolutely who stay in the relationship because I don't know how she'll treat my child mm-hmm. if I'm not there to watch. I'm the only person that stands between my child being abused by their mother. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to stay so I can protect my child. That goes both ways. Oh, it's yes. not just fathers who are abusive or acting unstable in the home. It's also mothers. And so then father where do you go mm-hmm. and there's a lies and manipulation and then it starts to you know we can use our kids against one parent oh which is never a good situation mm-hmm. and also i would think if you are leaving and taking children who don't want to go that has to be very hard to do All of these are barriers to leaving. And so one person may just have one barrier. And if you can look at it like um, cinder blocks blocking your doorway, if there's just one large cinder block there, hmm, I can scale that. I can get over that. If it's just love, I'm going to hurt for a little while, but I can... um, I can leap that hurdle Mm -hmm. to be able to leave. Well, now it's love and children. I have children with this man, and so, hmm, I've got two barriers. I've got two things that's keeping me from leaving. And so, But if I think about it, I can manage that. But no, 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 nope, there's three. I have love, I have children, and I'm financially dependent on this person. This is getting a little harder. I don't know if I can scale this major barrier that's keeping me from leaving. Oh, let's add one more because my pastor keeps telling me that God hates divorce and I will be excommunicated, shunned, and looked on poorly in my family or in my church because I leave. Oh my God. Okay. So now I have four barriers. I have five barriers. I have six barriers. Mm -hmm. I have seven barriers. How do I maneuver all of that just to walk out the door? You need someone who's on your side, working with you, helping you create a plan, letting you know that you are worthy of living a life free of abuse. And that's what we do at DASIS. And these are all barriers of why women or men don't leave, why they go back, and why they stay. And for all of those um, people listening to us today, where's the, where's the solution? Where's, where's the hope in what we're talking about? Domestic violence is a tough, tough subject. 
how do they then come out the other side and become survivors and not victims? I mean, that's what we do at DASIS. We help them um, get back on their feet, but we also give them hope for tomorrow. We help them heal. We help them uh, regain who they are. Um, and like Debbie said, we, we show them that it's possible to have a life without abuse. Where there's life, there's hope. And so you, you've made it to this point. You've made it through the hardest part of your life. It took so much courage mm -hmm. and strength for you to get here. So let's build on that. And they say, but I still love him. Of course you do. Of course you do. We're not robots. We can't turn on and off our feelings just because we want to. Or they say, um, you know, I feel like I'm going crazy. Well, how you feel is appropriate for what you've been through. You know, helping them to normalize their feelings and not feel like something's wrong with them mm -hmm. because they were being abused. That's a huge step in them being able to break um, free of that cycle of violence. Mm -hmm. That and that it's a process. This mm -hmm. is going to take a, a lot mm -hmm. of time. But each step, the small steps, make a huge difference. And having help along the way. That's Absolutely. Right. And we're going to celebrate your successes. Oh, yes. All we're going to celebrate with you. Wow, you were able to get here. That's huge. I, you don't realize the strength that it takes to walk out that door. And I applaud you for having that strength. I know you feel broken, but there's great strength inside of you because you made it here. So do these, so do, do the relationships ever repair themselves? Do perpetrators ever manage to see their children, see their spouses and, and fix things? Well, First of all, in a relationship where there's children, um, even if you get a personal protection order, there is not a judge who's going to order that a father cannot see his Correct. children unless mm -hmm. he is a direct threat to those right. children. And so you have to then learn to manage that relationship. If the abuser is held accountable, acknowledges that um, he did not have the right to abuse and learn other ways to deal with um, situations, then there are times that the relationship can be repaired. I was watching Ray Rice, and I, I'm telling you, I publicly bashed Ray Rice for his abusive incident in that elevator, and so mm -hmm. I'm going to publicly applaud Ray Rice for doing the work to realize that his behaviors were wrong. He gave up the right to abuse his wife. He did the work. He took the classes. He took responsibility for what he did. And on the other end of what happened in that elevator just a few years ago, he's become a better person and he's speaking out about domestic violence. And someone asked him, they said, do you think you earned or do you deserve another chance in the NFL? He said, no, I don't. Hmm. He said, I've earned my second chance, and that was with my wife. 
And that was what was more important to me than whether I ever played in the NFL again. And so it takes work. It takes work on both sides to be able to, um, it, it takes work for the victim to rebuild their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And it takes work for the perpetrator to realize that they were wrong take responsibility and they don't have the right to treat anybody that way and so we see it happen every day no not enough no it's not enough but it can happen I've seen it happen which might be a hopeful thought for victims Mm -hmm. planning to leave or as part of a safety plan realizing that just because you leave doesn't mean your children won't ever see their father or however that works that you're not your decision is not going to make other people's lives worse. It's going to make them better. Correct. Your own and your children's. Mm-hmm. I would like to free every victim of the responsibility to think that it's their behavior to fix their right. abuser. Right. That's something, that's a road that that abuser has to walk on their own. And to protect your children and your family, you don't have to sacrifice yourself. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Thank you for listening today to I'm Not in an Abusive Relationship. We hope you heard something that is going to lead you to create better relationships in your lives and will join us again next time. Please continue or consider getting on our website, dasismi.org. Or if you feel that you need immediate help or would want to talk with someone, call our 800 number, 800-828-2023. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.